Well, what's up, Everlast? How are we doing tonight? Yes? Amen. It's good to see everybody. So glad that you're here. Um, well, if you're new, my name's Kev. So glad that all of you came. Thank you for coming tonight. And uh, by the way, if you're new, uh, afterwards, please head to our Life Center. We have a gift for you just to say thanks for coming. Y'all, God has been moving so mightily in and through this young adult ministry here at Calvary Worship Center. Let me just encourage you. Can I encourage you with something real quick? Invite a friend. Bring a friend to Everlast this summer. We've got some awesome things happening. It's important to be intentional with those who, you know, who, who God brings in our path. And a simple invite is a great way to be intentional. So please, just I would encourage you to invite someone. Now, if it's your first time here tonight, you're catching us literally in the middle of a series called Abide. And we're going through uh, John chapter 15, verses 1 through 11. And uh, last week, my wife, Tina, y'all, she did such an excellent job of unpacking verses um, 3 through 5. And if you didn't get a chance to listen, you can head to our Everlast podcast. Uh, you can check it out. I just seriously encourage you to go check it out. I know you'll be blessed by it. So tonight we continue our series, Abide, by specifically going through verses, uh, the next three verses in our passage, which is going to be verses 6 through 8. Um, so please grab your Bibles with me, and uh, let's turn to John chapter 15, verses 1 through 11. And we're going to go ahead and read all of 11 verses. And then after that we'll pray and we'll, we'll, we'll continue. All right, here we go. Y'all ready? Say, I'm ready. Yeah, yeah. Man, seriously, aren't y'all stoked to dive in the Word of God? So good, man. I love it. It's so amazing. So awesome. Here we go. John 15, 1 through 11. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Verse 3. Already you are clean because of the word that I've spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. Verse 6, if anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch. And withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. Verse 9, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. And lastly, verse 11, these things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Amen? Hey, can we pray again together? Let's, let's pray. Well, Father in heaven, we just come to you right now again, and uh, we just want to first say thank you. God, thank you so much for supplying us the grace to live each day. God, I pray that you would help us as we continue in worship through your word, that you would help us to understand all the more what it, what it means to abide in you. 
And I love to do this. I always love to do this. Just take a few moments just for yourself. It's a simple prayer. Pray this. God, would you please speak to me tonight? And now I encourage you to just pray that for the person on your left and right. Pray that prayer. Say, God, would you speak to them tonight? And lastly, I just would kindly ask that you please pray for me. That God would use me to be, uh, to make things clear and helpful for you tonight. Well, Father, we love you. We are listening. Please speak to us. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 <clears throat> How many of you go to Mickey D's, a.k.a. McDonald's? Any McDonald's people? <laughs> That's what I love about McDonald's people. They're just unashamed. That's me. Just no doubt. Love that. Any Sonic goers? Sonic? Cool. Couple. How about uh, how about anybody go hang out with Wendy at Wendy's? <laughs> Corey here, he's like everyone. Now, if you're from the greatest country in the world, that is Texas, you most likely you most likely go to Whataburger. You see, listen, Everlast. Whenever you go to any of these fine establishments, they offer you something more. They offer you something more than the regular order, right? McDonald's offers to supersize it. Sonic offers to Sonic-size it. Wendy's offers to Biggie-size it. Whataburger offers to Whata-size it. Y'all, they are all offering something more than regular. They say, you don't have to be satisfied with regular. We can make it bigger. We can offer you more. As cheesy as this may sound, or cheeseburgery, <laughs> y'all, this is, this is, seriously though, this is exactly what Jesus was offering his disciples and is offering to us now in John 15, 1 through 11. Jesus offers to supersize our experience with him. He is offering something more. Something that the world simply cannot offer. Jesus wants us to move past the regular order of going to church and, and feeling good. But never having a transforming experience. Jesus wants us to abide. I mentioned this a couple weeks ago, but the word abide shows up ten times. I only put up five fingers because I'm holding a mic. Ten times. The word abide shows up ten times in the 11 verses that we're going through. That's crazy. So it it's, seems to me it's very apparent that this is something that God wants us to understand and to understand well. Remember, 
Don't get abide mixed up with doing more. Abide, y'all, has way more to do with being more. To abide means to be active, not passive with your faith in Christ. I love how Timothy Atik says it when he says this. He says, the Christian life isn't primarily about doing, it's about responding. That is learning how to respond to who God is, what he is doing, and why he's doing it. If you don't see much fruit in your life, the answer isn't to do more, it's to delight more. I like to put it this way, when we delight in Jesus, we aren't prone to wonder, we're prone to remain. So you see, when you abide, Everlast, you're looking more like Jesus, not less. When you abide, you're giving God more glory, not less. When you abide, you're benefiting other people more, not less. To reiterate, the Greek word, y'all, for abide, can y'all say this? Say minnow. Minnow. It's minnow, which means to live, continue, or remain. It means to live, continue, or remain. Or remain. Another way to put abiding is um, I, maybe to say actively loiter. <laughs> or, or simply put, intentionally hanging out. To intentionally hang out. I think we're all professional hangouters. You know, I think we would all say like, yeah, I love to hang out, right? Jesus is saying, if you want to be like me, hang out with me. Hang out with me. You see, many people visit Jesus. Many people visit Jesus. They see him on Sunday. They may visit him before they say grace, before a meal. You know, when it comes to a relationship with Jesus, I love how Dr. Tony Evans says it. He says, uh, when it comes to knowing Jesus, he says, a lot of people want to simply date Jesus when he wants a ring. I love that. So, Everlast, now that we've kind of briefly recapped on what it means to abide, Let's hop back in our text, the passage for the series, and particularly we're going to take a closer look at verses 6 through 8. Starting with verse 6. I think it's on the screen or you can look in your own Bible. John 15, 6. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. Okay, so now right out the gate, we see in verse 6 that Jesus is talking about the branch that does not abide in him, right? Does not abide in him. Meaning the person who is an unbeliever and who does not have a personal faith in him. Everlast, there's only two options. I abide in and know Jesus or I don't abide in and I don't know Jesus. A way we put it here a lot, I know Jesus, or I only know about Jesus. Jesus warned his disciples, y'all, that failing to abide means that life fails. Y'all, my wife Tina did an, I'm serious, an awesome job last week of sharing with us, you know, um, 
that a branch only has life as it is connected to the vine. Meaning, a disciple, one who follows Jesus, only spiritually lives as they are connected to the master. But seriously, Everlast, check out the way Jesus shared these, these words. Let's go back to verse 6 real quick. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burnt. You can see that Jesus uses these verbs and, and describes a progression for the one who doesn't abide. There's a progression here. Can you, do you notice it? Cast out, withered, gathered, thrown, and burned. Like other parables, y'all, the picture Jesus used here was not meant to describe a whole theological system, no. The progression described is a sober and significant warning of the danger of not abiding. By the way, the phrasing, <laughs> the phrasing Jesus used here is very important. Y'all, it's very important. He didn't say if anyone does not bear fruit, he is cast out. No. He said, if anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out. End of the day, Jesus knows who abides in him and who doesn't. And <laughs> y'all, there, there's no, there's no, there's not, there's no in-between state in, of abiding in Christ. Meaning, you you can't fake faith. You can't fake faith. It's vitally important. Meaning. <laughs> Honestly, your very life depends on it that you don't fake your faith. You're like, well, duh, Kev. But listen, <laughs> the truth of the matter is that some of you are sitting right here, right now, and I've been putting on a front for a long time. Or you may know someone in this. You've been praying for that person, putting on a front that may be you. I'm not, we're not here to dilly-dally, y'all. You know, it's like you're not hanging out with or remaining in Jesus. You've just merely visited him. As a matter of fact, when it comes to faking faith, identifying yourself with Christianity, y'all, if you think about it, it can be very advantageous. It really can. Meaning that calling yourself a Christian, putting it on your profile, or whatever, has been a way to bring an increase to success in your life. Whether you've used the term Christian to get a better job, get the girl, or get the guy, or get propelled forward with your plans to get ahead in life. And by the way, if you've, if you've known Jesus a long time, don't dismiss yourself in this. You know, by God's grace, I've followed Jesus quite some time, and there's still moments in my life where I... Have, can have the propensity to maybe kind of fake my faith to get myself ahead. Or, or, it, can, it can manifest itself in so many different ways. Also, by the way, faking your faith doesn't have to be some kind of grand plan of trickery, you know, of, of conniving uh, your way in to propel yourself further either. No. Well, how so? Well, it can be as simple as you seeking to make yourself feel better about life. Again, you go to church on Sunday, you come to Everlast on Tuesday. And so it feels like you're doing what you're supposed to be doing morally, hence feeling better. 
Trying to make yourself feel better about yourself can fool others around you into thinking you're a Christian. But here's the truth and here's the reality. Y'all, you cannot fool God. You can't fool him. God sees right through, right through your fake faith. And listen, he loves you too much to let you settle for a secondhand life. You know what this also means, right? This means that you can't vicariously have faith through someone else. This is another area of fake faith. Many of us have testimonies growing up um, in a Christian home or, or having Christian friends and eventually realizing that that doesn't do jack squat. <laughs> Right? Now, humor me real quick. What I'm about to share may be kind of like a petty analogy, but just think about this for a second. Think about secondhand smoke. What is secondhand smoke? Well, it's the smoke you're breathing in from someone else smoking. So if I'm breathing someone else's smoke, does that mean I'm a smoker? No. No. Everlasting. God refuses, he refuses to settle for you living off of someone else's faith. He loves you too much. He doesn't want anything fake. He wants your faith. He wants you to, he, he, he wants to hang out with you. I think, I know that, that we can say that. It's like, oh, that's, you know, makes, it's, it feels cheesy or whatever, and it's kind of a cool moment. But, man, I just, it kind of just blows my mind, you know. I love to hang out with my wife, you know. I just think about hanging out, or I love to hang out with our Everlast leaders and volunteers or whatever. It's like just that hanging. It got, God, the God of the universe wants to hang out with you. He wants you to abide in him. He wants to supersize your life. Wow, y'all, hallelujah. And by the way, I, get, I bet you'll never order at McDonald's the same anymore, right? It's like, as a matter of fact, when they ask you, they're going to be like, I'm sir, you would, would you like to supersize that, sir? And you're like, yes, but let me, <laughs> let me tell you something I supersize. No, um, yeah, it's amazing. Moving on with verse 6. Let's read it again. John 15, 6. If anyone does not abide in me, he's thrown away like a branch and withers. And the br uh, branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burnt. The lifeless branch bears no fruit, and even its wood is good for nothing but burning. Um, this reference to burning um, and fire raises the association of punishment in the life to come and warns of the great consequences of failing to abide. Y'all, this verse, um, although it's been interpreted and, and, and debated by many, the emphasis seems to be pretty plain to me. There are no true disciples who do not abide. Y'all, the branch must remain connected to the vine or it has no life, uh, it has no lasting good. Um, again, as my wife so honestly, hilariously, uh, and yet profoundly put it last week, Christ is the vine and we're twigs. <laughs> I loved that. By the way, my life always smells, sounds like I'm a smoker. <laughs> it is. Random comment. Y'all, we are twigs. We're literally lifeless without him. We're lifeless without him. Moving on to our next verse. Let's read. John 15, 7. Here we go. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, 
and it will be done for you. Man, that's, that's one heck of a promise, right? Like, ask whatever you wish? Wow. Sweet. Homeboy's going to get a Harley, you know? No, no, no. I used to ride motorcycles, and I sold it, and I've, pray for me. I'm sad. Uh, no, that's not what it's about. Let's talk about this. Y'all, this is something that we wildly, especially in our westernized culture, get messed up, all out of whack. Reading this verse can very easily be taken out of context. I've said it before, and I'll say it again. Can y'all look at me real quick? Y'all, you cannot be reading the Bible like a newspaper. You can't. You know, just whatever sticks out at us and... and we simply, you know, want to interpret it how we want to interpret it and, you know, and for our own benefit. No. Can I, and can I encourage you, look closely at the Scriptures. Look closely at the Scriptures. What, what do we, on this verse, verse 7, John 15, verse 7, what do we see in the first portion of this verse before even, before even getting to asking in prayer? What do we see? We see two conditions, right? Condition number one, if you abide in me. Condition number two, Jesus said, in my words, abide in what? You. Two conditions. Super helpful, super insightful. Y'all, but imagine this. What if God just said this? If you abide in me, ask whatever you want and I'll do it. (laughs) Y'all, we would be doomed. We would be absolutely doomed. We would be running things, and as a result of that, there would be destruction. If God truly gave us everything that we want, we would all be on a set course to utter self-destruction. I don't think it takes a rocket scientist to figure that out. James says in uh, James chapter 4, verse 3, check this out. He says, you ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. In other words, you're asking from your own perspective. You want what you want, and you ask through that inward filter. Look, these are all, well, actually, you know what? Let me just say this. There's a lot of people who call themselves Christians who believe that we can ask for anything, and God has an actual duty-bound purpose to give it to us which couldn't be further from the truth. That's not, that's not the reality. I need y'all to hear that tonight. God is not at all obligated to do exactly what we want. Do y'all, do y'all know that? He's not obligated at all. This is something, y'all, we have to know in our bones. This is where, this, <laughs> this is where many people stray away. God didn't answer the way I wanted, so therefore God isn't good, and, and I don't want to follow a God who isn't good and, and what I think good is, and so therefore I'm just going to stop praying. And, you know, I say that kind of with an attitude or whatever as role-playing, but, y'all, that happens often with us. Hang in there. Listen, while I totally understanding the, understand the feeling of this, the logic, and quite honestly, the faith simply isn't there. I shared it this past weekend here at CWC, um, but in prayer, God will give you one of three answers. Yes, no, or not yet. Does, 
Does that make him bad? No, that makes him God. Listen, you want a God who's in control. (laughs) If you're a believer, a true believer, that is one who is in relationship with Jesus. You have to meet condition number one. What was condition number one again? If you abide in me. If you abide in me. Listen, meaning, everlasting. Your faith isn't in the answered prayer. Your faith is in the one who is able to answer your prayer. I think that's going to be on the screen for you. Your faith isn't in the answered prayer. Your faith is in the one who is able to answer your prayer. That's huge. That's huge. I think if we were all honest, we're kind of putting our faith in the answered prayer of how we want it to be answered, which actually probably isn't even a prayer. It's more like a wish. There's a big difference between praying and wishing. Does that make sense? Your faith isn't in the answered prayer. Your hope isn't in the answered prayer. Your faith and your hope is in the one who is able to answer your prayer. Which, by the way, if you aren't a believer and aren't abiding in Jesus, can you all hear this? Listen to me real quick. If you aren't, he won't listen to you. He won't listen to your prayers. That stretches us. That's like, oh, oh, gosh, what? Well, The truth of the matter is, you are alone. The only prayer he will listen to in the unbeliever is, the the only prayer he'll answer is is the one of crying out in faith, in repentance. That one, that's the only prayer he answers to the unbeliever. Why? Because God is a saving God. Again, we we put God in our idealisms, in our boxes of what we think, what we think he. Scripture is very clear, very clear on that, very clear. But remember, if you are a believer, when it comes to prayer, there's condition number two. What was it? In my words, abide in you. What does that even mean? What does that mean? Well, this is when you pray and ask within the framework of the words that have been revealed from God to you in his word. Words that tell you about God, about his will, his way, his kingdom, his purpose. So the second condition in this verse, verse 7, directly counteracts the whole Americanized God is a genie in a lamp. The mentality and the way, the way that we're prone to even live in, which quite honestly, y'all, that is fickle and a weak. That's a weak. That's a weak sauce. <laughs> that's a weak way of living. That's a weak way of praying. Check it out. Back in Matthew chapter 6, G, uh, the disciples asked Jesus, asked the Lord. They said, Lord, how should we pray? How, 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 do we, how, how do we pray? Seems like a very, very basic question, right, from his disciples. It's, it's simple. And Jesus said, pray like this. I'll show you. Pray like this. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your will be done and your kingdom come. That's how Jesus taught us to begin in prayer. Actually getting to the quote-unquote me and you and us, me, wasn't until first acknowledging, revering, and beholding God. I love how John MacArthur says it. 
He puts it in a really awesome way. John MacArthur says this, <clears throat> excuse me, all legitimate prayer starts with, here we go, the recognition of God's name. That is what is consistent with his glorious person. God's will, that is what is consistent with his glorious purpose. His kingdom, what is consistent with his glorious unfolding plan. Prayer starts with per person, purpose, and plan. Now, I'm about to sound probably like a broken record to most of you. Uh, some of you, if not, you know, most of you. Um, but, y'all, there's been something that me and my wife have been praying for for years. Years. And, uh, and that is to have kids of our own. It's something that we've prayed for. Something people are praying for us and too. But something we collectively pray for. We had a miscarriage back in um, two, uh, September of 2017. We, we named our baby Parker. And, uh, you know, ever since then, we haven't been able to get pregnant. Now, is asking for this bad? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. So why, so why then doesn't God answer us in the timing and way that we want? Well, the quick answer, I don't know. I don't know. But listen, can I just be real? And honestly, not even like grammatically correct with you right now. <laughs> just because we don't know doesn't mean he don't know. Listen, prayer is way everlasting. Prayer is way, way more than, than just giving God our grocery list of wants and needs. End of the day, he already knows them. <laughs> Prayer is meant to be deep, not shallow. I think that's on the screen for you too. Prayer is meant to be deep, not shallow. If not, it's okay. Charles Spurgeon puts it this way. Prayer is the natural outgushing of a soul in communion with Jesus. I love that. Prayer is the natural outgushing of a soul in communion with Jesus. Simply put, prayer is primarily about dependency on God, not the answering of your requests. Prayer is about dependency on God, not the answering of your requests. Something else you need to know about prayer is this. Prayer is also meant to be powerful, not weak. But listen and listen close. Everlast, if... It is not the words in the prayer that matter, but the purpose behind the prayer. It is not the words in the prayer that matter, but the purpose behind the prayer, okay? This is exactly why we don't ask in our little names, in the name of Kevin, <laughs> you know. We ask in his name. Praying for things that are in agreement with God's will is the essence of praying in Jesus' name. I'm going to say that again, because it's not on the screen. Praying for things that are in agreement with God's will is the essence of praying in Jesus' name. Y'all, this verse is uh, in direct correlation and conjunction with verse 7 that we're reading uh, with what Jesus taught many times throughout the scriptures. Over 20, time, over 20 times in the New Testament, Jesus instructs us to ask. It's crazy. In Matthew 7, 7, the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you'll find. Knock and it will be opened to you. 
As a matter of fact, just a few verses in the passage that we're in in the series, uh, in John chapter 15, I think it's uh, verse, um, I think, wow, where is it at? Verse, uh, yeah, verse 16, John 15, 16. Jesus asks, to, instructs us to ask in his name. You know, I've shared this story before. Um, I have an amazing nephew. His name's Griffin. I call him Griff. Griff loves Jesus. I, I, I had the opportunity to baptize him. Hallelujah. Um, Griff, Griff uh, here's, I, I've always loved this story, but when my nephew was little, he, he, he would legitimately, he would continuously and legitimately ask Jesus if he could have the ability to fly. And uh, he'd be on the edge of the couch, dear Jesus, oh, just please, please, I want to fly so bad, please, please. And he'd jump and fall. <laughs> and uh, did God answer his prayer? No. Y'all, while it would be awesome to have a nephew with superpowers, uh, getting exactly what he, or by the way, what we ask for, is not the overall point of prayer. God uses prayer to realign our desires with his, for his glory. Psalm 115 verse 1 says, Not to us, O Lord, but to you, to your name, um, 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 give glory for the sake of your steadfast love and your faithfulness. God's aim is to get our eyes off of self and onto him. Jesus is the perfect example of this. He, Jesus prayed regularly, not my will, but yours be done. Jesus himself, his eyes, Jesus himself had eyes that were off himself and on the Father's will. It's crazy. Asking God, our Father, our Heavenly Father has way more to do with His will than above our, above our own. When we ask God in Jesus' name in prayer, we are submitting all our requests through the filter of God's will for His glory. By the way, saying, <laughs> can I just say this? Saying in Jesus' name is not like this magic formula. It's not supposed to be just a tagline at the end of our prayers. You know, just because, you know, we're supposed to say it. No, it has... This is what it has to do with. It has to do with authorization. Authorization. The question is, has Jesus authorized what we are requesting from the Father? It's a big question. So to include Jesus' name is to ask for Jesus' authorization for what we've prayed. And when you're doing that, everlasting, now that's going to make the prayer a lot deeper. Because now you want, one, you want this, to make sure it's something he would authorize, right? And two, to make sure you're in contact with him, a.k.a. abiding, so that he, the vine, can feed and nourish his will to you, the branch. Or twig. <laughs> Y'all, this is all so that you're praying according to the will of God, not against the will of God. We must make sure that he is in the centerpiece of, of, the, of our prayers. Because the father never turns down the son. I love how another dude named John, I mentioned John MacArthur earlier. He, uh, this dude named John Piper, I love how he puts it when, it when it comes to prayer. John Piper says, the key to praying with power is to become the kind of persons who do not use God for our ends but are utterly devoted to being used for his ends. It's awesome. 
everlasting. We need to have the words of Scripture, the words of Revelation, the words that tell us about God, about Jesus, about the Holy Spirit, and about the kingdom of heaven and the will of God. Can, can I say it this way? Our requests must not control us. Jesus' words must control our requests. I'm going to say that again. Our requests must not control us. Jesus' words must control our requests. We need to have his words abiding in us so that they control our requests. Now moving on to our last verse tonight, John 15, 8. Check it out. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. Y'all, fruit, like any other good works or holiness, is always presented as evidence of salvation. Never as a requirement for it. Three characteristics for fruit. Y'all ready for it? One, fruit always bears the character of the tree of which it is a part. Fruit always bears the character of the tree of which it is a part. Y'all, you won't find apples on pear trees. You won't find pears on orange trees. The character of the tree will always determine the nature of the fruit. Two, fruit is always visible. You've never seen invisible fruit. (laughs) So if you're bearing fruit, other folk are going to see it. We said earlier that you can't fake faith, right? Same goes with fruit. Can't fake fruit. You know, my grandma used to have those. I'm sure most grandmas had these type of decorations, the, the fake fruit in the bowl. <laughs> Take a bite out of that, that apple. <laughs> You're going to the hospital quick. Poison. Plastic. Can't fake fruit. Can't fake it. Three, fruit always exists for the benefit of somebody else, primarily God's glory. Fruit always exists for the benefit of somebody else, primarily God's glory. We, uh, we quoted Dr. Tony Evans earlier. Um, I actually found this quote on, on fruit and I loved it. Um, he says this, Fruit doesn't eat itself. If fruit eats itself, it's rotten. Only rotten fruit eats itself. You know you are bearing fruit when other people want to take a bite out of your life. (laughs) I love that. When other people want to be like you and emulate you as you follow Christ, they follow you. Paul said it, 1 Corinthians 11.1. Be imitators of me as I am of Christ. I love that Paul said this because this is such a great display of biblical comparison. Paul is saying, as you look at my life... And how I imitate Christ, you should do the same with yours. We, when we think of comparison, though, we can automatically think it's a bad thing, right? Which, in the wrong context, it, y'all, it is a bad thing. If I'm comparing my life to someone, someone else's life or, or, and how good they have it or how I, I want what they have, or, or I'm mad that they have it, you know, I covet or, or I'm envious of them, rather, you know, and, and I have bitterness towards them or whatever. Y'all, then yes, comparison is not a good thing. Nope, <laughs> that's, a, that's a bad thing. 
But in this context, Paul is saying comparison is a good thing. It's a good thing. Look at how I live my life and imitate me because I'm imitating Jesus. I am following him. My life is modeled by Christ and after Christ. Everlast, I'm going to kind of spitfire some questions, quite a few questions. Listen to these questions. They're on the screen. So you ask some questions. Some great questions to ask. When people look at your life, do they see someone who is imitating Christ? And it's so crazy when we ask these kind of questions, it's like, yeah, yeah, yes. You know, or no, or whatever. It's like quick. Take, just, we're here. Got a few more minutes left. Just consider it, right? And even, even in the minutiae, the meticulous deal, details of your life, when people look at your life, do they see someone who is imitating Christ? When someone looks at how you live your life, do they want to imitate that? Do they see someone who's bearing much fruit? Do they see someone who is following after Jesus, someone who is a true disciple? Because being a true disciple, as verse 8, is evidence of bearing much fruit. Fruit is the evidence that you're a true disciple. Easily put. How do you know if someone is a true disciple, a true learner, a true follower of Jesus? Answer, they bear much fruit. And the purpose of fruit bearing is to bring glory to God, not to the disciple. A branch that bears much fruit brings honor to the one who cares for the vine. And a disciple who bears much fruit is, in a spiritual sense, brings honor to God. Um, 2 Corinthians chapter 5 Verse uh, 9 says, so whether we are at home or away, we make it our aim to please him. So if our, if our plane, I'm sorry, if our aim, plane, if our aim is to please him, then we seek to glorify him, not to glorify self. In closing, let me just say this. Love these three verses. There's so much to unpack. I mentioned this a couple uh, weeks ago on our first week here in the Abide series, but I'm loving that we're going through this, this series in this passage of John. And abide. Why? Well, like I mentioned a couple weeks ago, in John 15, 1 through 11, y'all, there's no more quote-unquote filler days of your life. I said that a couple weeks ago. What does that mean, Kev? Meaning that no day is wasted. There shouldn't be any day wasted in your life. Whether you're having a really sucky day or a great day. The passage of, this passage of God's word shows your purpose. It shows you exactly what to do. Abide. I also know in this, this series for me, y'all, has been very stretching for me. And if you were to just camp out in John 15 for the next few weeks, and you legitimately and are opening up your heart and asking God to speak to you, I can promise you this, you'll be stretched. It's been stretching to me. There's been many things that the Holy Spirit has been revealing to me. It's crazy how simple it is, though. It's not complicated. Again, Jesus wants us to move past the regular order of going to church and feeling good or whatever to, by, by never having a transforming experience. He wants us to abide in him. Jesus offers to supersize our experience with him. He is offering something more, something the world simply cannot offer. It's simple. It's not complicated. It's actually only one word. We keep saying it. Abide. 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 Oh, but how we love to complicate even just one word, right? It's my prayer that we would collectively, as a young adult ministry, abide in Christ and bear much fruit for the glory of God proving to be his 
not fake, but true disciples. Amen? Amen. Let's pray together, y'all.